School's out for summer, and Redbox has the video games to keep you entertained. There are more than 40,000 locations nationwide, so you can rent and return anywhere, and you'll get a free one-night game rental from Redbox when you use the promo code SNELL7. Swing by a box in your neighborhood, or if you want to make sure the game you want is there when you arrive, reserve it online at redbox.com games. Offer valid through August 12, 2017. Subject to additional terms. Charges apply for additional nights. Payment card required. Getting into video games has never been so easy. The Inconquerable, number 364, July 2017. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. This is a draft episode. We're going to draft things, and that means that uh, it's probably going to be a disaster. But that's okay, because all of our drafts are somewhat disastrous. This is the TV Hall of Fame draft, where I have instructed panelists to draft beloved TV shows, TV series, that can be inducted into our Incomparable Television Hall of Fame. Now, why, you may ask, is The Incomparable a source of authority when it comes to fame of television series? And I answer, we are a podcast, and... Why not? So those are my two answers to you about this. The TV Hall of Fame draft will be drafted by a huge number of people who are all with me here to draft shows. I'm going to introduce them in their draft order. Glenn Fleischman was randomly selected to receive the first pick in the TV draft. Hi, Glenn. Hi. I affected randomness in the universe to make this happen, so watch out. David J. Lohr will draft second. David, hello. Hello. I... Can can I pick like season one of Hello Larry, but not season two? No, you have to pick the whole. To, okay. Thank you, thank you for your Monty esque hey. probing <laughs> the rules. <laughs> I don't ask questions ahead of time. I wait and, and then spring, spring it on, on you me. during the round. Yeah, I know, I know your way. Uh, Moises Chuyan is drafting third. Hello, T G I F. <laughs> oh boy! Sorry, I can't Sorry. wait. I knew nobody else would do that. Family so matters could be. It's on the board. Uh, Andy Anaiko is going to draft next. Hello. Our pride is showing. Mm. Oh, dear. Or... See, I can't really do the, the, the special. Go ahead. Drafting so. next, Erica <laughs> Ensign. Hello. Hi. I'm so overwhelmed. I have nothing clever to say. It's okay. <laughs> Just wait for it. I, I'm sure something will come to you later. Don't worry, Erica. I didn't have anything clever to say either. True. Good point. <laughs> Following oh. Erica in the order is John Syracuse. I just want to assure everybody this is one draft where my surprise pick will not be the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> it's a relief. Not a series. Not a series. Damn it. It's good. Wait, wait. Does it have to be serious? Hang on. Yes. Yeah, you said TV <laughs> yeah. show. TV show? So if it shows in the TV... Ah! No. It, if it is not a TV series, I, I made this clear in our emails and Slack. If it is not a TV <laughs> series, whoa, whoa, whoa. It, you, it, it, you cannot pick a football game, let's say, or something else. Anyway... <laughs> Todd Vaziri calls movie shows. What about those? Well, the, no. Not unless they aired them in one hour installments. He's worked on a lot of shows. And, and so not like the very special Different Strokes Hello Larry crossover episode, but neither of the rest of the series. If you had off the rails before everybody got introduced, you win. Pick Next, Dr. Drang. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Drang. Hello. I'm scratching the Heidi Bowl from my list here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Good reference. I got it. I got Nobody it. else no. did. Oh, I got it. Dan Morin Team picks old. eighth. Hi, Dan. Wikipedia list of television shows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, for the win, for the block. Good job. <laughs> uh, next 
Next pick, Monty Ashley. Of course, he'll be picking things that stress the rule book, forcing me to rule <laughs> for or against him, depending on my whims. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. I look forward to a clean by the book uh, podcast. Oh, indeed, indeed. Of course. How could it be anything else? That is our our order. I will pick last. Yes, that's ten people. That's ten people. Uh, that's a lot of picks. Depending on my whim, I my plan right now is that we're going to do it snake draft style. By which the the uh, order will be inverted after the first round. In other words, you'll hear Glenn, and then Glenn's going to go away, make himself a, a sandwich, bake a pie, take a nap, and then Glenn will come back and make the 20th pick. That's probably how it's going to be. <laughs> and the 21st several, pick. Several days from now, I'll return. Glenn, you get to induct the first series in the TV Hall of Fame. What is your selection and why? Explain yourself. All right. Well... When you announced this podcast, something popped into my head, and I said, this is it. And it's sort of the Ur show. Uh, I'm about to turn 50 next year, and this is the show. It's the show that defines television for me across my life, and that is, of course, Barney Miller. Well, it's sort of the platonic ideal of a show is, you know, it's in some ways hard to define it because it was early enough. You know, it wasn't like TV was new, um, but I thought it was incredibly enjoyable. And I thought it had like every element that I liked in television, you know, as a kid and then watching reruns for years after. I haven't watched the show in years, but I still think of it in such perfect terms. Like every performance was um, interesting and strong. Uh, it had uh, great, strong characters. There was so much that was unexpected in the show, um, whether it was, uh, you know, Jackie Mana or uh, Dietrich, the character later. Those actors were so weird and you could never figure out what they were about to do or say. And it just took you off into this area that seemed very surreal for television, especially with what else was on at the same time. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, it was a very limited set, right? They had, uh, you, you basically saw Barney Miller's home, I think, in only seasons one and two. And then his wife sort of disappeared, became an off-screen presence, poor Barbara Berry. Uh, but Hal Linden, uh, you know, is this great central character. He was barely flawed. He wasn't perfect, but he was very honest. You have this cast of people coming through the uh, police station, uh, great secondary characters, recurring things. You had James Gregory coming on there, just that craggy, wonderful stage actor. A lot of the people involved in the show were dramatic stage actors. And, um, I have a hard time thinking of anything that epitomizes uh, television uh, for me that, um, you know, sort of across my life that I think is more the center of uh, of um, like what I think of as a TV show. So Barney Miller is my pick. Should I, should I talk anymore? Or no? Yeah, that's a great, that great, great pick. David, I imagine, wants to chime in. <laughs> well, I was going to say that was one of my top picks, although I knew Glenn was going to pick it. But his house only appears in the pilot. It doesn't Do even never... it doesn't even make it through the first season. Does his wife only show up in She's the only in the first season that. and then after that she's a recurring character. But she's in the opening credits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, showing off the drapes, right? Right. <laughs> yep. And That's originally right. originally it was supposed to be a balance of the home life and the work life and almost immediately they're like, "Nope, nope, this is what it is." We know what works. And it's it's that single set there, exactly. I mean, One room. I think there's That's maybe it. four sets over the course of the series, if that. 
but it was great. It was a slice of life of New York. It was, I hadn't been to New York at that point, right? I was living on the West Coast in a small Oregon town. Uh, I hadn't been out anywhere else and I'd rarely, you know, barely explored the country. And this to me was this gritty New York. It was New York at its grittiest, right? And, um, all, but, but everyone was picturesque, right? You have all these different characters coming across all walks of life, but there was a kind of respect for everybody in there. The episode in which one of the cops comes out, he's being outed and then he decides to come out. Uh, you have racial shows, you have shows about Jewish identity, other identity, um, and there's corruption, there's the internal, that wonderful actor did the internal affairs, uh, character who was such George a- Mur- uh, George uh, Murdoch. I could count on you. Um, and, uh, it, so it was, it was exotic to me as a Eugene, Oregon small town boy to watch it too. And anyway, I think it just kind of, uh, other shows were different. You know, All in the Family, um, certainly was amazing in a different way, but it felt, um, more strictured than this. This had, gave itself the room to open up more. So Barney Miller is my, uh, pick for induction. They also had the best goodbye to a dead actor episode yeah. ever. Yeah. 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 The Jack Sue episode. Third, episode. Third wall or fourth wall in this case. Third wall. It's a, um, if, it, if it sets a triangle, then it would be the third wall. <laughs> third wall is like, well, it's a flat screen. It's, it's a flat screen. Yes. Yeah, I remember and, watching that episode and just bawling, you know, yeah. because it was so sad. Classic definitive uh, workplace sitcom, I would say. Every workplace sitcom afterward kind of owes it. Its uh, its DNA ha- is lent from Barney Miller, for sure. And and a great final wrap-up set of episodes. Mm-hmm. It, yep. it stuck the landing. And one last thing, too, is just that of all the shows on television that did really well, I think Barney Miller had the fewest spinoffs. There was Fish, which lasted two <laughs> seasons, and which I watched. Was there anything else that spun off? I'm looking in Wikipedia. Nope. That no, was no. It. Nope. Right. That was I it. think I every think other was... show that was successful, Happy Days, All in the Family, like anything else that reached a certain – even MASH had, you know, a couple of – Chopper John and After MASH and so forth. Um, and I think this is the – N-W-A-L-T-E-R. Walter, exactly. Yeah. <gasps> oh, it was a God. pilot. It was a pilot. Right. Close but, enough. So I, th- I think <laughs> – <laughs> Barney Miller qualifies for being such a uh, an interesting and unique series that it couldn't even sustain spin-off shows. All right, I think that's a uh, I have no objections. That's an excellent pick. All right. and it is inducted into the vault. Now Glenn will go into standby mode <laughs> for a later pick. Power, Power down, down, Glenn. <laughs> and David, what's your pick? Number 2, into the vault, into the Hall of, the Hall of Fame. It's not a vault. There's no lock on the door. People are that's, welcome that's to walk right. in to the TV Hall of Fame. I should be clear. And, and you'll keep we'll keep adding to it. It's nowhere near the Holiday Vault. The Holiday Vault right. is in a totally undisclosed location. This is open to the public, the incomparable Hall of Fame. Go ahead. What's your choice? <laughs> Hall of Fame is larger on the inside. It is. Hey, oh. Not yet, but it will be soon, I, I imagine. <laughs> David. Well, you know, I mean, there are so many shows I could pick, so many shows I own. Indeed. This all is one, shows on TV except Barney Miller. All shows on TV you are possibly pick. there. Uh, so it's Celebrity Bowling. No. Um, no, this is a show you, you can't really get DVDs of it. You can kind of find bits and pieces from it on YouTube. Uh, they released a movie with 10 of the best moments of it back in the early 70s. This is a show from the dawn of television. This was the prototype for Saturday Night Live, all the sketch shows that came after it. And it grew out of the uh, Saturday Night Entertainments and the Catskills and all the resorts up there in the 30s and 40s. Your show of shows with Sid Caesar, Imogene oh. Coca, Carl Reiner, and Howard Morris with <laughs> Mel Brooks. That is the most David Lower pick in the history of David Lower picks. It's it a pretty is, great. Look, I love you so much. It gets David Lower because I'm not picking it because it's the greatest sketch comedy show. Because the pilot was in a doll museum. 
<laughs> no, I'm I'm picking it because without your show of shows, you don't have the Dick Van Dyke show. Without the Dick Van Dyke show, you don't have He and She, which came in the late 60s. Without He and She, you don't have the Mary Tyler Moore show. And from there, you don't have the Bob Newhart show, Cheers, Taxi, any of these shows. The DNA that comes out of the, that show leading to the Dick Van Dyke show and then going through all of TV history is astounding. And that's not even talking about the writing staff with Mel Brooks and Woody Allen and Larry Gelbart and Neil Simon and Danny Simon and all those guys. Just an amazing show. That is that is one of the cornerstones of all of television comedy. I have no way to uh, to dispute that. You're absolutely right. You went back to the roots. You you don't get all those other shows that it impacted. <laughs> oh no, you've no, no! Correctly I, I acted as a steward of the incomparable TV Hall of Fame, and I thank you That's, for your service. There you go. See, I grew up in a museum. I know how this mm-hmm. works. One TV show touches so many others over the course of the life. <laughs> Tell me where the TV show touched the Cal you. Cal Burnett show didn't exist because you didn't produce your show. Moises, it's your turn. One of the great television programs of all time, uh, to me, is something that transcends the genre that it is often socked away into. And when I say children's programming, there's a children's programming show that people might assume I would pick. That involves uh, some Caillou? wonderful color for characters. Is it Caillou? Uh, actually, uh, Scotty Young on a panel today talked about how he's writing Caillou into I Hate Fairyland so that he can kill Caillou. Mm. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. Very soon. No, it, the idea, it was like a writer's room on an Image Comics panel. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're okay. here to talk, talk about, about Caillou. Uh, my pick, number three, not Sesame Street, but Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, yes. sniped. Mr. Yep. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> what Bravo. will you do now? Here, here's the thing. I, hey, look, I threw, I threw out the, hey, I'm sorry I picked Mr. Rogers. There's, there's another really great show that you could talk about. Um, but for me, Mr. Rogers is a show that other people tried to imitate, tried to copycat, tried to bring to the off-brand Xerox machine and copy in various respects. And the reason that people failed and failed and failed and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood persevered is you cannot copy sincerity. And well, you can in Canada. Yeah. It's called Mr. Dress Up. But well, hold on weird. a second. Canada, Canada. It's a genetic thing in Canada. Canada it's a religious thing. Brand. It's part of the national religion of niceness. That's um, true. And actually, Mr. Rogers was Mr. Dress Up's um, like mentor. Yeah. So it's 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 part of the same DNA. Je- Jedi Master. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's it. Always two there are the master and the Canadian version. <laughs> but the. the you know, we've, the, the, the thing about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is it's something that, you know, outside the, the things that have changed over the many years, I mean, it was on from 1968 till 2001, even though there's a lot of technology and things like that that changed, it is still infinitely watchable. It is still something that just requires you to have an open mind, an open heart, and be willing to be a good-hearted, sincere person. And that's something that, um, this isn't a political show. And it's not political to say, but I think more people in the world uh, could always rededicate themselves to uh, sincerity and honesty and trust and uh, and and the collaborative spirit that Fred Rogers inspired in so many of us. And uh, in in darker days and darker times, I have found thinking back on that show and catching clips of it online uh, to be one of the most universal balms that I can reach out for. 
Uh, it's, it's, it really is magical. And maybe you are going on the fumes of your memories of it. And I would, I would urge you to, uh, I think in these, these, these last, uh, days of May, uh, all 800 and some odd episodes are streaming on Twitch, dip back in and take a look at the show. And I, I think it would surprise you the amount of sense memory that will come reeling back. Mm-hmm. If it's a show that you watched. A oh lot yeah. Of. Yeah. yeah. And especially when you in the years past uh, since uh, Fred Rogers has, has has left us, usually after 10 years, people can say, well, you know, what? He on, on Tuesdays, he can really be he could really be kind of testy. And there was one time where he was, it was things were never anything but the idea that he was the most saintly human being who ever lived, that this was not an act. This was not a performance. This was an ex- expression of how he lived his life uh, and he decided to extend that through uh, a, a television lens uh, if there's I, I, every time i think about that guy's name i just think the word saintly if, we, if there was ever a true human saintly person it was fred rogers yeah well and it, it tells you something about the people that worked with him when i was i don't know five or six uh, mr mcfeely came to the local pbs station for an appearance and and we went on a class trip and and so Every child was like, can you say hi to Mr. Rogers for me? Say hi to Mr. Rogers for me. Say hi to Mr. Rogers. And, and, you know, and I'm watching this and I, and I said to him, I'm glad you came. Do you ever get tired of people saying, say hi to Mr. Rogers? And he goes, no, because Mr. Rogers sends us out to let him to, to say hi to everybody for him. And it's okay. I don't mind. And, and, you know, even now I'm thinking back and it's like, that's amazing to, to, to just like put aside your own ego and just be like, yes, I'm here to bring your, your greetings to Mr. Rogers. That's pretty awesome. I uh, one of the few TV shows that I would say had a huge impact on my on my life. Um, his message to be yourself and uh, and like yourself and not pretend to be someone else. Incredibly powerful. And the only other comment I, I want to make here is meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> bling, bling. Correct as bling, usual, bling. King Friday. Oh, well, thank you, Jason. Thank you for your kind <laughs> thoughts. I appreciate that very much. Let me take a break and tell you about our sponsor for this episode. Uh, not in the TV Hall of Fame, although you could eat this food while watching a show from the TV Hall of Fame. We're brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is a uh, fantastic service that ships seasonal recipes and pre-portioned ingredients right to your door for less than ten dollars a meal picnics potlucks dinner parties barbecues have a good summer with good fresh food with stuff that's grown in the summer naturally it's easy to make delicious summer meals with blue apron we get this we've been getting this for a couple of years now long before blue apron was a sponsor we were a blue apron family it really has improved our uh, variety of food that we have for our meals in fact our kids were um were out the last week visiting their grandparents and we didn't have blue apron and i was sad because wednesday came and there was no blue apron box and we had to forage for ourselves and i've really come to love how blue apron fits into our lives it's completely flexible you can customize every week you can say we don't want it this week you can choose the delivery option that best fits your needs the ingredients will arrive in the box fresh and ready to go some of the july meals seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers fresh basil fettuccine pasta with sweet corn and cubanelle pepper chili butter steaks with parmesan potatoes and spinach this is the kind of stuff you get in the box with blue apron so check out this week's menu and get your first 
first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Snell. You will love how good it feels and tastes to make these incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. You make them with your own hands in your own kitchen, and then you get to eat them with your mouth. And that's the best. So don't wait. Blueapron.com slash Snell. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Andy, what's your choice for the Hall of Fame? As if you couldn't guess, it's going to be Colombo. Uh, which yes! is yep. we yeah, guessed of course. it. Yeah. And boy, I'm sorry to interrupt bucks. you, sir. One minute. I just one last thing. I just thought it was relevant right now. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I'm sorry. What, what were what you is saying? It now, what were you Columbo, saying? get to the point. Yeah, I mean, it's if if you've never seen Columbo before, boy, are you in for a treat because it's it, with every passing year, this detective show becomes more important and more watchable because it's all about it kind of inverts everything that you think that a detective show should be about because as is very, very famous, the murder happens in full view of the audience in the first 10 or 15 minutes. Columbo doesn't even show up often until act two or act three until a half hour has gone by. Uh, and so that's sort of diffuses a lot of the sort of artificial tensions that can go into what what would be a TV sort of drama. So we know that we we know that uh, Ruth Gordon has killed her is her her nephew by locking him in a safe and there was some hatred involved there. It wasn't just, hey, I want to get you, I want to inherit your watch or something. You you get to spend the next hour and a half learning, well, why did she do that? What drove her to that? Or in other cases, like with Donald Pleasance in his his uh, episode, which is probably my favorite episode, It's it, it was spontaneous. He didn't plan it. It was a situational, but after he's killed this person, he's got you see him sort of resigned to the fact that this was not a brilliantly planned murder. I'm going to be caught at some point. And it's all about listening, basically patiently waiting for the news to tighten around him and also for the relationship that Columbo develops with him, as he often re- develops with a lot of uh, a lot of the murderers. Uh, the other thing that gets inverted is that. It's not so many pilots of uh, of uh, of these detective shows by the time you're 10 minutes in, you know that, well, he's been on the force for 18 years and he got almost kicked off the force in, in Atlanta. That's why he is forced to move to, to Los Angeles. And he lost a partner four years ago. And he always he keeps a keychain that reminds him. OK, well, OK, that's a little bit, a lot of information with Columbo. Not only do people does uh, none of the murderers know exactly what's going on with him. Are, is he really as dim as he appears? When he talks, tells stories about his wife or his nephew, is he making that up just to get more information out of them or to manipulate them into letting their guard down? The the detective doesn't even want the audience to know anything about him. By the by, the, there was about uh, uh, maybe a dozen, two dozen, three dozen episodes uh, of these two hour movies, and by the end, we still have only the. We know that that's his car. We know he really likes that jacket. We are we are certain that he's married and that he has a very very good relationship with his wife. But we don't know if he has kids because sometimes he mentions that. Oh well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you couldn't bring your wife along tonight. Oh well, you know we couldn't get a babysitter. It's like okay, so does he have kids or does he not? You really you really come. It's, it becomes like Fight Club almost, where you're like, okay, no no no. Remember there was that scene in in the uh, in the uh, in the Roddy McDowell episode where he is out of sight of everybody and he's calling his wife to ask a question of hey that last tuesday remember it was so hot we had to co- we had to come back we were going out that picnic what day was that was that tuesday or was 
that Wednesday. So, okay, so he definitely has the wife. So he remains a mystery. And when we do get little details of his life, usually when he's having a conversation that is more free and more flexible, when you learn something about what he makes him tick, you feel it. he just becomes more real and more layered. Uh, and lastly, every single – this wasn't a weekly hour-long drama. This was part of a wheel of mystery uh, shows. So they had only put out about one episode every uh, three or four weeks. And this was shot on the universe a lot, oftentimes hiring actors that were near the end of the the peak of their careers, but still pretty much on top. This is still the so you're getting like Donald Pleasance's best dramatic performance ever uh, before he had to go into movies that were going to be parodied on MST3K. Yeah. So I, these are these <laughs> these shows, the, the best of these shows, I keep saying that uh, they could strike 35 millimeter prints off of them, off of the original negatives, put them in move, in a movie theater, and it would still be a great movie. Uh, when they were on Netflix, there were about a, eight or nine of these episodes that I could never get tired of watching over and over again because you just savor them over and over again. So uh, the, I don't think I can't think of another instance in which you have a character as well-tooled and as well-defined as you don't, you don't know details of his life, but you understand who this person is and why he does such a good job at the job that he does. I'm not even convinced he has a wife. All we know is he has a dog. Well, he could have rented the dog, but no, we, he, he, def- he definitely, he definitely had a wife. So we, we know he had a wife, but we don't know. It is, it's a, the, you're sort of lapping it up when these things happen, when you're like, uh, he set a trap for somebody and put all these photos around and say, no, 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 that's, that's, that's not, that's not the, the suspect's pictures. This is, this is my nephew, my niece. That's my uncle. That's my cousin. It's like, okay. Did you, again, did you rent these pictures or are these actually, actually his, his own pictures? Uh, so it's, but, but really, it really, it really is a, about characters it's not about situations they will never they will never try to create tension of well gosh there's this bottle cap and if we fire the right kind of if we we can't get any information off of this bottle cap by firing the green laser but maybe if we fire this purple laser (laughs) at it we will be able to get get latent molecules off of it and trace those molecules off of a special brand of adhesive that's only available on a certain pair of shoes it really is just going to be about this personality bouncing against these two or three other personalities. And it was, it was just brilliantly done. One of my favorite stories <laughs> coming out of the stories, uh, but uh, Peter Falk wrote a couple of memoirs. One of them, he spent half of it just talking about Columbo and said that uh, oftentimes uh, the, the character would do things like, oh, I got, well, we, we found this piece of information, the crime scene, that the boys of the lab got the report right here. And then he'd be digging through his pockets and put out, oh, no, that's a grocery list. Like, oh, Jack, you got a pencil? I can't find a pencil. And it turned, that turns out that wasn't in the script he he was ad-libbing that stuff to re- just <laughs> trying to annoy the, that uh, that other actor into thinking why the hell are you asking me about that prop painting on the other side of the wall that i didn't see until i showed up on set this morning it's like if, if i can make the actor as annoyed and impatient as the actual character would be i'm doing my job as an actor and it, boy does it come through <laughs> i want to point out mrs colombo is for sure where she had her own spin-off series with yeah, Kate Mulgrew, not, not, so. yeah but, but, not but canonical, it was right? It was not retconical. canonical. Was oh, the creators, see? the creators Fred of the Silverman. show said, if we ever bring back Columbo, the first episode we do is going to have him say, you know, there's this woman who's been running around impersonating <laughs> my wife. <laughs> 
That's I think true. I think I think that's one of the things that Marvel took away with the Cosmic Cube or Franklin. <laughs> that's Cube's right. Yeah, reality was rewritten. Basketball. Yeah, the, the second season she was Kate Callahan. Columbo so. is an amazing show because I didn't realize until David did a foot episode about it how broken up it was in his schedule and how few episodes there were relative to other what we think of as landmark yeah, series. It's a so series of it, TV movies essentially. Yeah, and it made right. a big yeah. impression even with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when it was on, I I used to watch it when during its first run, and because I'm old. And, you know, you'd, you'd get that. And when I was a kid and I didn't really know what was going to be on, which show was going to be on. So you'd, you'd sh- I'd show up at the TV and, oh, well, what's, what is the NBC mystery movie going to be tonight? Oh, it's McMillan wife. wife. Okay. I'm gone. Uh, it's yeah. McLeod. Uh, okay. Fine. I'll, I'll stay around for McLeod. Oh, it's Columbo. Yes. Definitely. Let me sit down. Uh, what was remarkable about the show and about Peter Falk was, as Andy said, he had all of these, you know, tremendous talents on there as the murderers, mostly. And he, he was your attention. You, you were always focused on Columbo. Mm-hmm. You were always focused on Peter Falk. Whatever bit of business he was doing, whatever he was doing, you paid attention to him. You, you didn't pay attention to, you know, Jack Cassidy or whoever, whoever was the, was the murderer of the week. William Shatner all along. <laughs> it's hysterically funny that they, would, they, they, they like Jack Cassidy. They like working with Jack Cassidy. They'll have Jack Cassidy come on as two or three different murderers over the course of the series. It's like the, the uh, Shatner himself. Shatner was like two or three different murderers. You believe Jack Cassidy would murder someone. Like Jack Cassidy was on three times in the original series because yep. then he died in the 70s. Shatner was on twice, once in the original, once in the new one. Um, Robert Culp was on once in the old one and once in the new one. Um, I'm trying to think. There, I mean, there are a couple of others. Um, no, Ro- Robert George Culp Hamilton. Was, Robert Culp was a murderer twice in the, in the original series. First, <laughs> That's right. first, first as the owner of a football team. Secondly, as a psychologist with a film technique for subliminal if yes, you're I'm just sorry. tuning in, this is Columbo. Columbo cast. cast. He he was the father of two murderers in the new series. <laughs> that second one seems like a really easy one to get. Yeah. Hey, uh, one question. I already arrested you, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you killed that other lady. How'd you get out of prison? You look awfully familiar. Well, the jury. Uh, all right, Columbo uh, has been been placed in the Hall of Fame, enshrined. Uh, Erica, what TV series would you like to enshrine in the Hall of Fame? Well, Andy's pick wasn't a surprise to anybody, and uh, I'm going to pick a show created by a Canadian, uh, which <gasps> will probably surprise just as many people. Does anybody <gasps> want to take a guess what I'm picking? Doctor Who, created by Avengers? a Canadian. Green Gables, 1985. You can't trick me with your Canadian trivia. <laughs> Grassy Junior High. Oh, the li- it's the littlest hobo, isn't it? Caillou. Oh my God! Don't get that song so again. Caillou is going to get picked at last. Come on, Caillou is not Canadian. It's like little hobo. Caillou's like Belgian you. or something. I Don't think, blame Canada for that one. I think one. Caillou's Canadian as far as Kevin I'm Kwan. concerned. Uh, no. Is it the Apology Show of Apologies? <laughs> no, you were right the first yeah, time, Erica, Jason. It's, Caillou, it's Caillou's Canadian. Caillou is, is Canadian. Is it really? I looked it up. He is. No. Okay, Doctor yep, Who, it. you say. <laughs> this what podcast is, this show? is over. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you choose Dr. either Caillou, Caillou or Doctor Who. You pick. Oh, that 
I'm shivering just hearing those words. Caillou <laughs> uh, is bigger on the inside. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> that is right. I am picking Doctor Who because it is, uh-huh. for my money, the greatest <laughs> TV show of all time. It has been, it's been going on for 54 years almost. And I will admit that the reason that it has been able to run for so long was something they kind of stumbled into after three years of the show. Uh, the idea that the main character is an alien who can regenerate. So you can get different actors to take over the role from time to time and sort of refresh things. But the thing that makes it so great is something that has been in its DNA since the very, very beginning. And that is the fact that it is a show that can do anything. Uh, scholar Matt Hills once said that the TARDIS, the Doctor's vehicle, is not a time machine. It's a genre machine. And I think that's one of the best <laughs> observations right. about the show ever. Yeah. It, it can go anywhere. It can tackle anything. Um, as I said, it can and it has changed its main character and really all of the main characters multiple times. I mean, heck, some of the episodes don't even have the main character or characters in it in them very much. And they're some of the most beloved episodes. Um, and something that I think is really important is that Doctor Who is a show that is for everyone, no matter what your age is. It is not just a show for grownups. It is for children, too. And it's not just for children. Many of us here are living proof that it is for, for adults as well. Um, and one of the coolest things about Doctor Who is it actually has 97 episodes that are missing. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And yet we can still experience those episodes because fans have painstakingly reconstructed still photos and audio that was recorded off the television by fans back in the day. Um, and, and actually, some of the audio on the DVDs that you buy in the stores of classic Doctor Who episodes is actually the audio that was recorded by fans off of their televisions, uh, as opposed to the audio that accompanied the film when they recovered those stories. So it is it is a show that just inspires a truly ridiculous and amazing amount of devotion for a very good reason. I mean, it's 54 years. And for my money, it is now better than it's ever been. And I I could go on and on about all the ways the show is the very, very best. But I have two other podcasts where I do that. Hmm. So I will leave it at that. Well, you, you took you took it from my list, although I knew that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> I was so glad that I that I randomly was was picking before you because I was worried. I always go last. It's the host uh, being generous. <laughs> um, I will say so when I was a kid before before we had a VCR, I used to actually I had a cassette player and a little microphone and it, I would drape the cord over the volume knob so it would hang down right in front of the tv speaker and i would record tv shows on audio and i would actually like fall asleep playing back the audio track there's certain episodes of mash Aww. especially that i know word for word and sound effect for sound effect because i recorded their audio so when i read about how the doctor who episodes were often the lost ones were re- re- reconstructed or even the soundtracks replaced with uh, fans taping the audio off the tv i thought oh i totally get it <laughs> it wasn't didn't yep. seem weird to me at all it's like i totally did that before vcrs you did stuff like that so i exactly. i did that all the time too i'm not surprised mm-hmm. david that is one of the yeah. ways that you and i are exactly alike uh but yeah doctor who can't argue can't argue with um 50 years 50 plus years in the uh, genre machine pretty good now i'm looking forward to making jason argue with me about my next pick <laughs> he hasn't argued about any of them so far i feel like one of us has a challenge you know i no, i feel like um if you're following the rules and it's a show that you love then i don't really have a problem with it it doesn't have to be this is not my tv hall of fame it's just a tv hall of fame john syracusa is up next. John, what do you have? 
Speaking of arguing, Erica kind of picked the show of Theseus there, didn't she? I mean, what did she even pick? <laughs> like the show she just of Theseus. All the that she didn't actually pick a show. It's more like a, a an intellectual property. <laughs> John, t- take fifty dollars out of petty cash and take a long lunch on us. <laughs> I'm glad all of the old at heart people went before me. Um, because they picked all, all old shows. Uh, Team old. Classic shows that have proven the test of time. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Team old. So I didn't have to worry about them uh, sniping my number one pick, which I was surprised that my wife could not predict. Uh, can you guys, do you guys all know what I'm going to pick? Firefly, In the same way right? that we all knew that Erica would pick. I have no idea. Firefly. No, I didn't. I have not done a good job expressing my enthusiasm. Well, I will correct that now. Um, at, just in the same way that we all know what Jason's going to pick, and everyone has, has proclaimed their favorite shows. Apparently, I have not had an opportunity to, to proclaim my favorite, um, and this is my pick. It is The Sopranos. The Sopranos. That was my second guess. Oh. All right. Yeah. It makes sense. Story no, checks so, out. Uh, obviously, I love gangster movies and, and that whole uh, genre, and there are sort of several distinct phases of uh, American gangster films that I have been alive for and experienced in sort of the modern age, and The Sopranos is one of the most interesting because uh, it's the first gangster thing that i saw and maybe the first one that really popularized this where the gangsters are aware of the mythos behind them the characters on this show love and revere the godfather and and imitate it in the way you know it is part of their pop culture and so they are you know in many ways a lot a lot of what's on the sopranos is showing how they are a pale shadow of the errors that came before them uh but they are informed by it um this was an hbo show it's drama um, it's in that age that sort of the, the current golden age of television perhaps kicked it off in terms of putting a lot of money and good acting and writing and serious themes and sophistication behind a show that you had to pay money to get uh, and, and showing that that's sustainable. Um, I think the first season of The Sopranos still, to my mind, has the most incredible sustained tension for the entire season breaking bad was close a lot of people feel that way about that show but i always felt it for the first season of sopranos i was just holding my breath for the whole entire uh, season you know and and i feel like the rest of the show uh you know obviously it settles in a little bit after that but the rest of the show uh held up as well it has one of my favorite episodes of television not because it's like really a great episode but because uh i love it when great shows get into that part where they they've settled in and they're a popular show, and they're doing a good job, and they start bringing out the weird episodes. This one, the, the one I like is Mr. Ruggiero's Neighborhood, where they do uh, 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 every breath you take and Peter Gunn theme mashup overlaying a sort of a uh, espionage uh, uh, surveillance thriller slow motion chase thing. Love it. I still think about that all the time. And finally, the, the finale, the Made in America, the last episode of the show, which is very controversial. A lot of people hate. I am in the camp that loves that finale i think it's one of my favorite final episodes of a tv show ever uh and and i'm very sensitive to both beginnings and endings and if for example i like most of your show but you blew it in the end you will not make even my top 10 or 20 Battlestar galactica um (laughs) and so it was super important for for me for my personal opinion of the show for me to be happy with the finale and because i was suddenly that wraps back around and connects up to the beginning and now this thing shines as a beautiful pearl um i love the sopranos uh i've watched it multiple times at this point i'm trying not to watch it more times because i never want to watch it so much that i dislike it i figure like three times through the whole series is enough uh but i know i just have my memories of it to keep me warm yeah that that I, if if you could just pick single seasons, I would put that that first season up there as one of the greatest seasons of television ever. Period. Easy. I've seen two episodes of The Sopranos. 
I saw the first <sighs> season. I got it all going. I got it all ahead of me. I got it all ahead of me. It's in the Hall of Fame yeah, now. That's true. I can go into the Hall of Fame and sit down. Wait, do we have to watch? Do we have to watch all of the things that people picked? Because I didn't, I didn't know (laughs) that going in. Oh, we're going to sign up to watch. What about the ninety-seven episodes we can't watch of Doctor Who? Oh, you can watch the reconstructions. I can hook you up. Don't worry. Every room in the Hall of Fame has a screening room where you can choose to watch episodes if you choose, but you don't have to. Nobody's forcing you. It's not a Clockwork Orange. Are we allowed to bring beverages into this room? Yes, you are. In fact, they sell them in the room. Not allowed to take bathroom breaks and pizza. But you cannot watch a single episode of Hello, Larry. Not yet. Yet. The Sopranos reminds me of a thing, which is the category of shows that are really so good I can't watch them. I watched one episode and I had nightmares, and I it was so powerful and strong and good. It's doesn't it's not compatible with my uh, neurology, my neurological structure. So it's too good for me to watch. With my it's amazing it's that good with Stephen Van Zant right in the middle of it, not acting. <laughs> that was the great thing about that show is like because they're you know self self aware gangsters, like the humor aspect. It, it's one of the great, I think, dark comedy series. Like there yeah. is yes. comedy in it, but it yes. but it never goes away from the darkness. And so every time you're laughing, you feel slightly uncomfortable. One, well, the beauty of Stephen Van Zandt, he's just playing a guy from Jersey. Yeah, yeah. it's a stretch. Oh, he's him, great. He's I just uh, he's not acting. <laughs> All right, Doctor Drang, it's your turn. Well, uh, I organized my list in, uh, by genres because I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my own. TV channel here. And so you need Mm. sitcoms and you need cop shows and you need doctor shows and so forth. And you need a talk show. And so I chose the greatest talk show ever, which is Late Night with David Letterman. And I apologize to Jason. Good pick. You know what? This is two levels of the most (gasps) Dr. Drangy, Dr. Drangy things. (laughs) (laughs) That was my shocker pick. My shocker pick. Uh, Oh, please. That was my backup pick. I figured, Jason, especially with a snake draft, you were going to get it uh, in either your first or your second pick. You're totally right. And I apologize, but I feel really good about this. You should. I didn't even put it on my list because I knew both you and Jason being confirmed for being on it. I had no chance. There was no way I would get a chance. It, to it was this. it was on my list of things. Are you getting late night and late show? No, you, just you, late night. You chose sort of just the anti David Letterman by choosing Mister Rogers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I love them both. It's okay. You can you can love them both. Well, yeah. And then when I showed up and found out Andy was here, I was like, well, yeah, it's beyond hopeless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing it fell this far. I think we're all just far, becoming really. caricatures of ourselves. I know. I think so. Becoming? Caric- caricature draft will be later. Uh, yeah, so tell us, Dr. Drang, tell us a little bit about, more about uh, Late Night with David Letterman. I'd like to hear what you have well, to say. Well, the Letterman show, and I don't count uh, I don't count the late show, although I liked the late show. It was not late night. Late night stands on its own as, as a separate thing, and it defined my 20s. Um, it, you know, it's, I, I was in graduate school. It was on. It was uh, when I was first married. It was on. When my wife and I went on our honeymoon to Cancun, uh, the crisis in our, in our life at that time was we were going to be missing Letterman. And so I, but I, but we didn't because I set up our VCR. Mm. Uh, he was on four days a week. We were gone for a week. So I had it set up for super long play so that I got the six hours and, you know, we watched it when we got back. Uh, everything about that show, more so than the Carson show, it was a show that was imitated by people. Uh, everybody who had a talk show after David Letterman was on became David Letterman, at least for quite a long time. Uh, you would, you would see Letterman, um, you'd see Letterman imitators in other languages 
people who are throwing pencils through a fake window behind them and and sort of laughing like Dave and and trying to be ironic like Dave. Um, you know, in a way, and that didn't happen with Johnny Carson so much. People tried to be the anti-Carson, uh, like Dick Cavett or whomever, but people wanted to be David Letterman. Um, I saw in 1989, uh, the, uh, Letterman used to take the show on the road occasionally. In 1989, he came to, he came to Chicago, played at the Chicago theater for a week. And I went to the taping of the show that had Michael Jordan and Jay Leno on it. And it was just, it's, it was spectacular. The show was great. All the bits were great. Meryl Marco, uh, invented along with Dave invented something that you will remember. If you saw it, you will remember it. There are things about that show you will remember. Uh, you know, the, the show where they turned the camera. Uh, rotate 360 the degree during, rotation during, yeah, during, degree during the course of the, just the bits. Um, Excuse me. The uh, stupid Petrich, of course, is the one that stands out because not only was it hilariously funny, you got to see the human side of Dave. You know, everybody, you know, Dave has this wall against uh, up, up uh, that he puts between you and, and the guest or, uh, but, uh, or between himself and the guest and between himself and everyone else. But when the dogs came out, you saw the real Dave and you saw a warm and gentle person and just the delight that he took. In almost every one, uh, especially the dog tricks, of course, uh, but almost every one of the stupid pet tricks, uh, you know, the, the Velcro suit, everything about it, the um, the monologue of that show, which was not a monologue at all, as I recall, as I, I really don't go back and, and watch the shows, but, but as I recall, it was like it was three jokes and out. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, arguable yep. whether they were jokes. Yeah, they, yeah, they were, were like terrible jokes. jokes. <laughs> they were yes, exactly. Well, you know the story is that Carson didn't want to see competition, so they they made it so that the monologue needed to be short and not funny because Carson that was Carson's thing. So they did so they did it ironically instead. Yeah, and they they took it to another level with being not funny that they made it funny by being not funny, and then you know the quick <laughs> throw over to Paul. Uh, it, oh, it was just it was a remarkable show. It was, and especially in those early days, uh, I watched it all the time. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't not watch it. Mm. Don Giller, the 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 unofficial archivist of uh, of the Letterman Show, has started like taking his entire tape library, and he has every single episode on tape, uh, and basically posting them onto youtube sometimes he'll cut them if there's something cut them into segments if there's something like a, a, a someone uh, when uh, when roger moore died he had a couple of different roger moore appearances on the show and it really is incredible watching these early shows and seeing how rough it was and, and in a really good way that it really was we are going to come out there with some stuff that may work or may not work but if it doesn't work we will simply play with it and that's part of what we want to do we don't want to have this typical oh my God is is that for is 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 that uh, is that John uh, it's like, is that the star of, of CPO Sharky coming into our studio unexpectedly? Hey, we happen to have a microphone for you. It's no, it's let's just screw around and whatever happens happens. And he boy was he boy was he mad sometimes though. He was I didn't see his grumpiness until like I started rewatching these videos. There are times where he was just not having it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, and the reason Carson chose Letterman as his anointed successor, which didn't, of course, didn't work out, was because Letterman could roll with things like that. You know, whatever happened on the show, Dave could handle it. 
Um, you know, and, and Carson liked that. Carson liked the ability that, that David had to ad lib and to, and to take an idea and go with it wherever it was going, whether it was going bad or good. And it was uh, the interviews, of course, famously were just were just awful. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they really oh were. God, <laughs> they, they really were. I, I am um, on the, his last week on the air. I, I uh, found a bunch. I was going to digitize a bunch of my old VHS tapes of Letterman stuff, and I discovered to my chagrin that literally every episode that I had I had saved for posterity yep. in a box for twenty years, it was already on YouTube. All of it was already on YouTube. Every <laughs> single bit of it was on YouTube. But yep. I watched the episode where. Uh, Sybil Shepherd didn't want to wear her dress that she um, ha- that she had had her people had shipped to the show in advance of her arrival, and they had actually, as a joke, they placed it out on stage saying she'll be wearing this later this week. So she came out in a towel, and that interview was amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. because neither of them wants to be there, neither neither of them wants to offer anything to the other person, and it is just it is painful, but yet also incredibly funny in how neither just they're both. They just neither of them wants to be there, and yet they're both on television. It's 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 amazing. It's just amazing stuff. I mean, there there are bits and pieces from that that stick in my head. You know, twenty thirty years later, the the dancing waters of Lavoris, the Zippy the Chimp <laughs> cam, and yep. you know the the uh, anniversary special that's entirely done on an airplane, or the episode where where it's just in a dentist's chair and you get a dental exam while he's interviewing. Too hot you. to do a show show where they did it from the office and yep. right? Gar took a shower. Right, it goes on and on. Remember, remember when, remember when there was the writer strike, and so yeah. of course they couldn't use writers, and they literally turned the entire first two acts into Hal Gurney's network time killers. Yeah, just, we're just going to waste like, time he, on he television. Spent, he spent, he spent in, still one, still one of my favorite moments in all of television. So as a time killer, he's going to have a suit custom made over the course of an entire week, <laughs> and so it's like the first day the tailor came out and like measured on the first second day they had sort of a loosely basted together suit, and of course Paul Paul Schaefer, the musical genius, of course is always playing like instant dental music and he's in the middle of like just sort of having conversation with the tailor then suddenly he just says the guy excuse me paul why are you playing house of the rising rising sun and then he <laughs> pulls up his microphone and say my father was a tailor he sewed my new blue jeans and you're like oh wow. it, it is genius I, I, I recommend people um go back and uh, look at some of that YouTube stuff because it's all, it, like I said, I found it's a lot of it is up there. And uh, yeah, that was a, it was a defining, you'll be, you'll be surprised at how much reminds you of comedy, all comedy TV today, because it was that influential. It's pretty amazing. It was, it was the first place I ever got to see Bob and Ray in person. And that was before Chris Elliott worked there. Yeah. All right. Late night with David Letterman. Uh, yeah, that sniped. I I feel so sniped now, but I'm glad that it went in the first round. It's excellent. Dan Morin, it's your turn. Oh, hi. Is this show still going on? Yeah, it is. Glenn's asleep, though. <laughs> oh, okay. we'll wait well, oh, excuse me. What? what? Glenn, no, no, no. Go back to bed, Glenn. Go back to Glenn. Is, is Steve in this episode? I'm, I think I'm in this one. Hi, Dan. Um, hi. Uh, I'm going to pick a show. You, you want to play that game where you try to guess what I'm going to pick? Supernatural. No, Is it Supernatural? Supernatural? <laughs> rascals. Uh, I know. Oh, CBS Evening uh, News. Oh, John says he knows. My prediction was spaced. Z, that's on the list, but I felt like it wasn't in danger of being spaced. So it is so Supernatural go. then. Yep, that's right. <laughs> uh, that show's going on right now. No, I'm going to pick the show that I think was probably the best show that I've probably ever watched just from a purely critical standpoint. And that is the HBO crime drama The Wire. Oh, nice. Uh, which nice. is... What's that now? 
A fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to be that guy who's like going to tell you never heard, heard of the wire. Because you've never heard of it. <laughs> have you yeah. watched the wire? I, 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 you really should watch you know, the wire. That it's been Merlin. That it's been Merlin. Have you watched the you wire? Know, <laughs> for all that it's been people have been mocked for its uh, the attitude toward it it's a fantastic show and it's really it's hard to argue that it's not one of the best shows that have, has aired on television um because it's a show that combines um a variety of elements from sort of your know, your typical sort of cop show but really getting into the minds of all of the people involved in that whole equation, from the people who are running the drugs to the people who are selling the drugs um, to, in later seasons, you know, dock workers, teachers, political operatives. Uh, we won't talk about journalists. We'll just let that sit there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just really a, such a multifaceted drama, and these characters are so well drawn that when you find yourself you know, choked up at the death of a, of a drug dealer. You're wondering, <laughs> wait a second, what happened? What, what, what am I watching here? But, uh, the fact that these, these characters all intertwine in such interesting ways and, uh, feel just very real. And, you know, I, I'd say that as someone who is definitely not, uh, <laughs> even remotely, uh, living in a world like that. Um, it just, it feels fascinating to me. And I, I, I think that my favorite thing about this show is that unlike so many other shows, it's, it's such a slow burn in terms of its development of not only characters, but plots over extended periods of time. You really, I mean, and I understand that's why some people have had trouble getting into it where you can really watch five or six episodes and be like, oh man, is this, is anything ever going to happen in this show? And then all of a sudden you find yourself like, it's like a roller coaster where you crest that first tall rise and you're just going downhill at, at a hundred miles an hour. Um, and characters who change and evolve over the courses of the series, who go from people that you would never respect to people who you are genuinely in awe of. I think of um, one of my favorite characters being um, Prezbaluski, who goes from a guy who's just a schmuck, mm. just a total schmuck, and then has you know some starts to redeem himself, has something te- you know does something terrible by accident, and has to reinvent himself as a teacher and that you know to me season four stands out as one of the best seasons of television ever because you know going into a a, such a wild format change where why are we following these young kids in high school who are you know kind of punks and and annoying and by the end if you are not teared up at the face of those kids then then (sighs) there is something in you that is not (laughs) not right man sorry (laughs) because it's just it is just tragic and and all too real again so um just fantastic show Four out of the five seasons are phenomenal. Eighty percent raised Dan Morin. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good in life. If you can do eighty percent in life, that's pretty solid. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to pick the wire. It teaches you how to watch it. It teaches you how to pay attention to it. And you know, considering there are dozens of characters, even in the first season, you never get lost. You you actually follow everything that's going on. It is so nicely laid out, and and after a while you realize it isn't it isn't a crime drama. It's it's the social decay of a city, and that's kind of a no wonder he sold it as a crime drama to begin with. By the way, um, we should say because I, I know a lot of times the perception of the wire when we talk about it is like it's homework. 
it's really funny. It is darkly <laughs> it is. hilarious amid the, I mean, some of it's you got to laugh to keep from crying, but there is some great character right. stuff with McNulty and Bunk, especially just oh. great stuff. Uh, the scene that grabs of always, I think of when I, when I realized that this was a funny show was the cold open of maybe, I don't know, it's like the third or fourth episode with the desk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're moving the desk and they're spending all this time <laughs> arguing about how to get it through the door. And finally, like after like five minutes of this, when the character's like, oh, we're never going to get this desk in there. And the other guy goes in. I thought we were going out. <laughs> <laughs> and you just like, <laughs> I lost it. And then it just like goes to the credits. And I, I lost it at that point. And was like, oh, yeah, this show's totally got me. So, yeah, it's dark is very darkly funny at times, too, as you said, like, um, but I think it's really hard to make a show with with no humor that really really people relate to uh and so you finding the humor even in the the dark moments is is pretty fantastic and and one of my favorite scenes is is the uh crime scene investigation in in the first season where mm-hmm. they just go in and it's pretty much one word over and over again it for is. you know five minutes yes and and i i sh- i just i showed it out of context to the 15 year old and I said, this is a brilliant scene. There's a brilliantly written scene. And he's watching it and he starts cracking up because he realizes there's only one word that I'm not going to say here. So you don't have to put a tag. And and he said, why did you say that was brilliantly written? I said, did you know exactly what they meant by each one? Was each use of that mm-hmm. word slightly different? And he went, oh, my God, you're right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, yeah. So smart, but so funny. So fantastic actors out of it, too. Right. I mean, yeah. Michael B. Jordan came out of the first season of the wire idris elba really like even though he was you know kind of a he was a little established but that's what quantity but like that catapulted him really star making role for idris elba yeah for sure absolutely and the wire Um, introduced the idea of the secret brit right right oh man the notion of the secret brit in modern american television it introduced the idea of the bad American accent. Is that what you mean? Yeah, Dominic West um, <laughs> All uh, McNulty. Them me. All of them fooled me. Is there's a, the best thing is that the Dominic West McNulty at, at one point has to, who's an English actor, <laughs> go undercover ha, has, as a British yeah. person. Yes. And he has to do a bad English accent as McNulty. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. And Stringer Amy Bell's accent is good. Oh, man. So many people. Stringer Bell's accent is really good. It's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, so great, great acting all around. Um, R.I.P. Frank Sabatka. So many good people. Sorry, spoilers yeah. for the one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Monty, what's your choice? Well, Jason, in preparing for this draft, I considered a number of strategies. Uh-oh. And one I liked a lot was to just... <laughs> Webster's defines television as... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to just look at who was going to draft after me, and if I knew their favorite show, then I could pick that and get the mean fun of sniping someone. See, now, I'm going to question your concept here, though, because I feel like sniping is actually kind of good in the sense that your favorite show got picked, and you get another pick to pick another one of your favorite shows. So I'm not sure... You lose the glory of picking it, but in the end, your favorite show gets picked, and you can still talk about it. So I'm un- I'm unclear, but I like the competitive aspect of your uh, of your strategy. Well, as it happens, uh, the person who drafts after me, it's it me. says here is Jason Snell, and oh, I do know no, what know your favorite happening. show is, but I'm not going to pick that. Okay, <laughs> because there's another strategy that appeals to me even more, and that's just to take the actual best show in the history of television, which everyone else was apparently too cool to pick. It's unorthodox, but I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a show that for nine or ten years provided a nonstop run of incredible episodes full of lines that were so quotable, you could easily conduct an entire conversation made up of nothing but quotes from it. 
And then to top that off, it provided another 18 years and running of more episodes. (laughs) Yeah, I got on my list. I got it. It's the ideal combination of unbeatable peak value and unbeatable career stats. Mm -hmm. There is no television show better than The Simpsons. I realize you stopped watching, and that's fine. Because it means if at some point you're on a desert island, there's (laughs) almost a decade of Simpsons episodes you haven't watched. And these episodes are perfectly cromulent. Now, note that I used the word cromulent, which is a word. It's in the dictionary now. Of course, it comes from Simpsons episode (laughs) 716, Lisa the Iconoclast. It is not an exaggeration to observe that The Simpsons has helped define the cultural vocabulary. It is an essential TV show. It is in the DNA of the Internet, of everybody on this panel, even people mocking this pick. And it's in the DNA of everybody who is listening. You cannot argue with the first nine or ten seasons of The Simpsons. They are as good as any television ever has been. The acting is top-notch. The actors embody those characters perfectly. It's just actually the best show on television. And I'm putting it into the Hall of Fame. It should be well, in the Hall of Fame. I just might be a stereotypical Texan, <laughs> but I got to agree with this man. Yeah, my, my wife and I, I think uh, at some point, 50% of our conversation were lines from The just Simpsons. Lines from the, since I aged know. out of that a little bit. Yeah. I know. There, there, you could have an entire conversation with nothing but Simpsons references. It is from the first 10 years <laughs> to Monty's Don't point. I, I, message board, I can, and I you probably even, will. I can go with Monty and, and say that, I, you know, maybe there will be an upcoming episode of of, uh, of the brilliant, incomparable podcast, Unjustly Maligned, about the most recent 10 seasons of The Simpsons. Because <laughs> I've, I've found myself watching a bunch of this stuff in reruns. Uh, online, uh, the the the, uh, the Hulu uh, catalog goes back a little ways, and I I find myself uh, surprised. Okay, a at the frequency of, huh? Wouldn't it be funny if we were in an alternate universe where this and this happened? Yeah, there's plenty of that, but it really is kind of shockingly way better than I thought that it was. I think I convinced myself that the Simpsons just blows now and they're still doing some really fun, weird and sometimes creepy stuff. I think so too. I I think they're the, the fact that they've actually done pretty much every storyline they can possibly do is kind of freed them up because now you can sort of, you can put a character into a situation and you've just taken care of eight line, eight pages of dialogue and setup because you know what the, what Hans Molman is supposed to do in there. You know what the, uh, uh, what, 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 uh, Gil is supposed to represent. So it's a remarkable shorthand and it frees them up to do stuff like, uh, put so much focus on animation. I was just, I was just thinking about this yesterday, just, uh, during my, during my daily walk that this is so, it is such a celebration of the power of animation. They rarely do things the easy way when it comes to animation animating something they will find a great shot they will find a great way to do a cutaway that adds texture but is really expensive to do to say nothing of the fact that they're using the couch gags not as oh god here's another stupid throwaway gag that means nothing it's like no here is an animator that no one has ever heard of but everybody who works in animation adores we are going to have say (laughs) pitch us an idea for 60 seconds of animation we will put it on primetime television in front of one of the most popular shows ever done and introducing such a huge audience to these kind of rarely seen talents it's it's i'm glad it it keeps going i don't i think that their their hit to fail ratio over the course of a season isn't that much worse than it was at its peak i think it's still very very good 
and I hope it, if they go on for another five seasons, you will get no objections from me. Oh, God. Andy, I'm so glad you mentioned the couch gags because it reminds me that in particular, just in the last few years, they've, they've commissioned some amazing short films as couch gags oh, yeah. from legendary animators. Bill Plimpton just had just his, his hat trick. And it, and it, and it's as simple as he simply calls up the producer, says, I got an idea for a couch gag. <laughs> then, then, then it's like, great, go for it. And of course they'll do a contract, but it's like, no, we, we know you, you know us. We, we would not have you do this if we didn't love your stuff. So go ahead, go and do it. Please deliver it in the next three months. Yep. And it's done. And it's worth mentioning that it was touched on the world of the Simpsons. Because they've been going for 28 years, there are so many characters that everybody knows that they could focus an entire episode on, like, Disco Stew or something, a throwaway a throwaway gag from 25 years ago. Eh, he's a character now. <laughs> yep. They, they did actually do an episode focused on Moe's bar towel, and that was terrible, but, you know, whatever. I think the I think the argument is, is it's a Hall of Famer because if you drop the last 15 years of the show to this point it's still a hall of famer it still is oh yeah oh absolutely yeah they could stop after season nine and it's incredible yep agreed and the and the last 15 seasons do not negate the power of this nomination either i can't can't be i can't be on the oh my god cancel this show bandwagon because i still think it's it's just more it's more inconsistent it's not that it's bad yeah when i see it now i don't think oh my god i can't believe they're still making this show i'm like yeah it's the simpsons it's fine it's not as good as it was in those heady first eight or nine years but i i don't look at the modern uh, episodes of the simpsons and think it's a disgrace and they're just you know ruining everything it does it's not they're not doing it the easy way yeah. It was impossibly good for longer than anyone could feasibly believe, especially with the difficulty of producing an animated show and everything involved in that, and on Fox, for that matter, right? They did a fantastic <laughs> job. They made that happen, and so I will cut them Continuing so to much drill slack. their own network. The, uh, <laughs> the fact that they – at one point, they discussed doing a spinoff that would have been the Springfield spinoff, and it would have been all the other characters. And I, I think they made an interesting, creative decision to not do that. And instead, over the course of 20 years, they've been able to just explore all the other characters in Springfield. And it doesn't really always have to be about the Simpsons family, and it's fine. So – that's, that's they, they did an the great origin story of the of the homeless lady with the cats. Well, when you got thousands of episodes, you, know? <laughs> you got time for all characters to get their moment in the sun. I think, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just saying great that choice. it would be very unfortunate if you were to count this show out. Oh, I see. I thought for a moment you were going to do comic book guy, and instead you went with Fat Tony. But that works too. <laughs> um, no, sorry, sadly that one has been vastly overdone, and now I'm doing it, yep. proving it has been overdone. Yeah, th- this show so. invented worst episode <laughs> ever. That alone is the. Cornerstone of the internet. <laughs> let, let me let me raise just one thing that uh, that occurred to me during the uh, there was a, a cemetery gag last week or the week before, and that's when it occurred to me that this show has been on long enough that their actors are aging and dying, and they have. Oh my to- god! <laughs> and now oh they're filling a cemetery with characters that can no longer be claimed because yep. not not that oh my this person died of a drug overdose or got hit by a bus. It's like no, this is twenty and thirty years, and people die after twenty or thirty years. All right, um, we're going to move on to pick number ten. Of the first round and uh that's mine hey oh, who's that i get to go and i think you might be able to predict the show that i'm going to select maybe not because i i, I might confuse you i, I gotta guess and trick you yes. I, I won't i won't guess because we're exactly like so dan do you want to guess uh, we are you are you would you say you're laying stakes on this show jason i, I that's more <laughs> of a second round pick dan Ooh, mm-hmm. oh wow wow no. bold <laughs> with my pick i am picking the original star trek 
the I can't oh. not pick the original Star Trek, one of the most yep. uh, influential TV series in my life. I can't remember not watching it. I watched it every day, every weekday anyway, at 5 p.m. on Channel 2 when I was a kid, uh, played captain kirk and mr spock in the playground for ages uh i always wanted to be captain kirk despite my haircut which was much more spock like and i love star (laughs) trek i have seen those original episodes so many times um and i love them dearly even the bad ones in fact sometimes especially the bad ones and Mm -hmm. um there's just it cannot be anything else it is the most important uh tv series in my uh formative years and has continued to be something i've loved for my whole life and will continue to be so so the classic star trek it started all even if you don't like the classic star trek but you like some star trek that came after it you gotta you gotta give the uh the honor to the original for making the whole thing happen there would be no deep space nine or next generation or voyager or enterprise well sorry about that but still there wouldn't be one without the original (laughs) star trek so i had to pick the original star trek with my pick and see, I would have picked it, but I knew you were going to pick it. Yeah, you so did. The, you, you did some strategy I, too. You knew it was going to be yeah. in there, so it's fine. Yeah. You know, he was going to pick it. You guys are all blowing my my pool here, where I have my draft of the, <laughs> how the draw is going to play out. Jason's supposed to pick Buffy. What what's going on? I know, right? But that's I, why you went snake. I searched. No. I searched my no. soul, and I realized I had to pick the original Star Trek if it was still but out Buffy there. Buffy is your favorite show. Yeah, you know, I say that, and it's true to one degree. But I think maybe at times I've just put. Uh, Star Trek and Doctor Who in the Hall of Fame where I don't even cons- and and late night with David Letterman I've kind of put them kind of on the on this altar where I I don't even think of them. Yeah, uh, and favorite and best are not the same thing at all. I know, but in the draft year, people usually go with favorites. I think of the Hall of Fame angle as is messing up people's uh, yeah. strategies because they're like, well, I have my favorites, but does it deserve to be in the Hall of was Fame? It, was, was it was this like renaming like the Washington D.C. National Airport after Reagan like eight seconds after he stopped being president? Like I wanted let's just let's just honor hello larry while we have the political clout <laughs> right. to force that through people's throats it will be the hello larry hall of fame he's not in the hall of fame but his name is outside it on the door and that's that's as close <laughs> as mclean stevenson may come goodbye larry all right we've reached the end of round one round two will commence with me picking first but we're going to save that for part two of the tv hall of fame episode which will come your way as our next episode in the meantime, I have been your host, Jason Snell. Thank you to Glenn Fleischman, David J. Lore, Moises Chuyan, Andy Anatko, Erica Ensign, John Syracuse, Dr. Drang, Dan Morin, and Monty Ashley for being on part one. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with round two of the TV Hall of Fame. Ten more shows will be put in the hall with McLean Stevenson's picture on the outside looking out. See you next week, everybody. Section of a, you know, I don't know. It wasn't dry. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I was promised no, Glenn, and the he promise just, he just, <laughs> he just drifted off. <laughs> it was the platonic. Oh, I thought I was drifting off. Sorry. Cousin Glenn has to take a nap now, boys and girls. <laughs> I think he. Uh, I think he's been raptured, guys. <laughs> Leftover season four. <laughs> Uh, the Fleischmaning. Jason, have you ever had an episode that's all bootleg and with the edited version just doesn't actually exist? That's every game show episode. TV Hall of Fame draft.
Chapter six. It gets worse. I hope Glenn is just still talking. Dear Mothras, the Team Hall of Fame draft has gone into its eighth hour. I want to say that Glenn is still talking and can't hear anything. Oh, oh, hi, Glenn. No, just don't pretend we still can't hear him. It's fine. (laughs) 